who headed down or headed up, sorry, to Samaria. And the reason he had to do that was that uh, after Stephen's message, before Stephen died, he preached a radical sermon that got some people angry. One of those men was Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul. Saul was being bugged by the Holy Spirit. Anybody here ever been bugged by the Holy Spirit? You've been bugged? It doesn't feel good when you're being bugged until you say yes. There's that prodding, and it's annoying, and you just sometimes it makes you angry. It's a wonderful thing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Saul is being prodded by the Holy Spirit, and the result is, is instead of saying yes, he resists God. And his way of resisting God is to catch as many Christians as he can and throw them into prison. Some of them are even put to death. He separates families. He causes a lot of trouble, and the church scatters out of fear. But one of the silver linings to that dark cloud is that the church scattered. They were supposed to scatter a long time ago. They were supposed to spread out. Jesus had said, preach this gospel here in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the world. But, you know, they just stopped in Jerusalem because the party was happening in Jerusalem. It was a fun time. Everybody was happy having the big church and, and the exciting things going on. And it took this to, to really spread them out. So Philip goes down to Samaria. He sees miracles all over the place. There's great joy in the city. People are being born again and baptized at a rapid rate. Now, here's what happens uh, right after that. We're going to uh, just skip on down to where we left off. In uh, verse 9, so we left off with this much rejoicing, great joy in the city. And then in verse 9, it says, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city, and he was astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. Do you notice the scripture says he claimed? He wasn't something great, but he claimed to be. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about the difference between the real and the fake. And you need to be prepared if you want to walk in the world of the supernatural, there will be fake. Yeah. It's not from God. Mm -hmm. We could do two things. Well, three things. You can either ignore it and pretend it's not happening, which is a mistake. Or kind of accept everything and just, you know, no matter what, you just accept whatever, whatever anybody says or whatever's happening. You could be like some churches who when they see the move of God... And then they see the fakes and the flakes and the weirdos come along. They just say, ah, we'd rather not have any of that. And so they stay away from the supernatural altogether. Or you could say, we're going to hold on to the real and we're going to throw out the fake. And we're not going to let the counterfeit keep us from believing the real. Now here's what it says in Acts 9. There was this, 8, 9. There was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city. He was astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. It goes on to say that they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying this man is what is called the great power of God. They don't say he has the great power of God. They actually say he is the great power of God. And there's a reason they say that, because most likely that's what he was claiming about himself. We, we learn a little bit about this guy in this story in the book of Acts. I'm going to give you a little bit of alternate, I mean, sorry, additional history, and it's not on the same level as Scripture. So anytime I give you a piece of history, you've got to realize there's Scripture and then there's history, okay? Scripture is the Word of God. It is what it is, and there's no denying it. Sometimes when I give you a little bit of history, you need to take it as for what it is. It's somebody's opinion. It's somebody's history. 
But the early church wrote about this guy in the second century. So when I say second century, you guys all went to school. You know I'm not talking about the 200s. I'm talking about the 100s, right? No, that's not, yeah, okay, you're probably just saying, of course we think that. We're not, we're not silly. All right. So in about 152, there was a man named Justin Martyr. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, but he was one of the leaders of the early church at that time. So it's about 100 years after this is written, uh, many of those that were in the church 100 years later wrote about a group of people that were still operating in Samaria, and they called themselves Simonians. And apparently, according to these histories, Justin's not the only guy. There's about three other really reliable sources that talk about this. Uh, according to them, these guys found their roots in this Simon. That he was going around telling everybody he was something. Going around telling everybody he was, in fact, not just being used by God, but at times, a God himself. And apparently, he had quite a following. He's not mentioned in these verses just because he was another guy just hanging around. He's mentioned because he was a very significant guy in the area. And he was going around practicing magic, using false and lying signs and wonders. Doesn't mean it was all tricks. I mean, I believe this guy might have had some power behind him, but it wasn't the power of God. It was a wrong power. And you know that the, 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 the demons still have a degree of power. Now they're there's trickery, there's deceit, there's lying, there's, there's, of course, we know there's fake psychics, right? You know, the, the cold reading, all of that. You know there's, there's charlatans and fakers and all of this. But do you also know that later on in the book of Acts, there was a girl that actually could tell, could actually say things to people and, and give psychic readings, and she actually had a power about her because when the demon is cast out of her, her owners are mad that she doesn't have that power anymore. So what that tells us is there is a demonic power that lies. There are spirits. Now, they, they might not be able to tell the future. but They might be able to tell you something you don't think anyone else knows. And here's the deal. This guy had some sort of power and he had some sort of trickery. But it wasn't God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a lying spirit. So he's around. He's in the area. And a lot of people, watch what it says, smallest to greatest. There's lots of people following him. There's a lot of people paying attention to this guy. And they're calling him the great power of God. And here's what happens. They were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. And what we're about to see is the true power of God come head to head with the fake. We're about to see the Holy Spirit come face to face with a lying spirit. We're going to see who wins. Don't be deceived. There are still lying spirits. There's still lying people. And we're going to see something about Simon that still shows up today. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. I want you to notice that he says that he's saying they believed in Simon, but when they heard the gospel, they believed in Jesus. These are the same group. These are the same kind of people. And they just switched from the, from the lie to the truth. So what's a guy like Simon going to do? Is he just going to sit back and watch? He could go head to head with Philip, but he's noticing these miracles are real. I can't do this stuff. Do you ever read the book of Exodus when Moses shows up, Moses and Aaron, they show up in Pharaoh's court, and there's two guys there. 
The New Testament names them. We don't find their names in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament. Their names were Jonas and Jambres. And these two guys were sorcerers in Pharaoh's court. And for many of the signs and wonders that Aaron and Moses performed through the power of God, they had a lying replica. In fact, there was a point where Aaron throws, God told him, throw your stick down, throw your staff down, and it'll turn into a snake. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, many of you know the story, but the crazy thing is when Aaron throws down a stick and it turns into a snake, they do the same thing. I don't know how they did that. I don't know whether it was like really good sleight of hand or whether it was this really weird power working. All I know is they did a trick. And they said, we can do what you can do. Well, what happened? Aaron's snake ate their snakes, which will always happen. The power of God always trumps the lying powers. It always beats it. It always will. And so what Simon's noticing is, mm, I can't match them. What they've got is real. What they've got's way more powerful than what I've got. So instead of going head-to-head with Philip, he does the old, you can't beat him, you got to join him thing. And so here's what happens. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. What the scripture doesn't tell us is what he believed in. I know when we read that, Simon believed, we think he believed in Jesus, and he might have on some level, but we're about to find out it wasn't a genuine, sincere conversion. Do you know, we had a bunch of people baptized on Sunday, and I genuinely believe every single one of them were sincere. But you know, not every single person that's ever gotten baptized since the beginning of time is for real, you know? Not every single person that shows up in church really believes, Not every single person that even parrots a prayer is necessarily a believer. Because it's not just the words that get you born again. It's the faith, isn't it? You can say something. A parrot can say something and not get saved. But do you have faith to believe? Do you believe in Jesus? So he believed in something. And it says after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. This sounds like a good story so far. Happy ending. Everything's right. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. And we're seeing a little bit of why he's following Philip. You see, everybody else, they're, they're amazed by the signs and wonders, but they're really, they're really amazed by Jesus. They're, they're falling in love with Jesus. Simon is following Philip around because he sees, you know, big fireworks. He sees the show. He sees miracles, stuff he wants to do himself. And it says this, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God, they sent down Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Because that's how he works. He bought, his, he bought his tricks. He bought his thing. He, you know, he's, he operates by money. He's not giving away his little signs and wonders for free. He's making money off these people. He's exploiting them. So when he sees these guys with a bigger power than his, he says, how much money? Let me buy this. Now, does anybody get a red flag when you hear something like that? You should. Jesus said... To his disciples, freely you've received, 
now freely give. Can I tell you if the gifts of the Spirit, if miracles, if anything from God was for sale, nobody could afford it. You couldn't. Be, be so suspicious, be extra suspicious of anyone that promises you something from God in exchange for your money. Not for real. Now, I understand, you know, that Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. I get that. I understand that Elijah told the widow to give him the last of her cake and she'd be blessed. But he wasn't saying, I'll give you a miracle if you give me some cake. He was asking her to put her trust in God. You find some guy that says, you know what, I've got this special oil that will heal you, that will fix your car, that will get you a new job, that will help you do whatever you want. But you just need to send this one-time gift of $59.99, and I will send you this. Turn the TV off as fast as you can. <laughs> the guy's a fake. If he says, oh, I got this special cloth. And I've been sweating on it. Oh, I've been praying over it. And if you send this one-time gift of $99.99, I'll send you the cloth. Hey, that cloth thing, it's in the New Testament. But Paul wasn't selling cloths. People were kind of taking them from him, actually. <laughs> you know, he was still doing tent making. He was wiping his brow as he was working. Somebody just kind of took his cloth and laid it on somebody, and demons went out of them. But he wasn't selling them, making money off of it. Because they all knew what Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Do I believe there's a blessing attached to giving? Absolutely I do. No doubt. But I also believe no miracle could ever be bought. No gift from the Spirit should ever be sold or could ever be sold because if it was, we couldn't afford it. We've received freely. We give freely. So here's a fake. He thinks he can buy it. <laughs> there's a great book by a man named Tony Cook. Tony Cook uh, was a dean of a prominent Bible school, and uh, he wrote a book called Qualified. And if any of you are looking to become ministers um, full-time, you know, preachers, whatever, this is a great book to show you which roads to avoid and which ones to take. But I remember him talking about some of the things to avoid. And he was talking about this issue. And one of the things he said, he said, you know, he said, I've noticed, he says, you know, I tend to stay away from those that, that say they got a, the Lord gave them a scripture. You know, and it's Psalm 120, verse 7. And so if, if everybody that wants, wants the blessing of Psalm 120, verse 7, would give $120.07, they'll receive the blessing. And he said, you know, I wonder why they never preach out of Psalm 1-1. You know, because they're saying, Psalm 107, verse 20 is the one that the Lord's given me. And if you'll give $107.20, then you'll get the blessing of Psalm 107, verse 20. He says, why don't they ever preach out of Psalm 1-1? Give a dollar and 10 cents. I mean, because they know that doesn't pay too well. So we're aware, been around long enough that we know the fakes. But one thing I have learned, never run away from the real because you saw a fake. It's a shame that people get turned off to the move of God because they saw somebody faking it. It's a shame when people get turned off to miracles because they were fakes. It's a shame when people stop giving because somebody tried to rip them off. Can I tell you, don't let the fake destroy the real thing for you. There's counterfeit money out, of there, out there. There's counterfeit $100 bills. Don't let that stop you from get, using real money. Uh, it's so important today because what we're seeing and what they even saw back then is that sometimes Satan will attack a move of God head on. And other times he'll be trickier about it. 
and he will make a perversion or a counterfeit. And the counterfeit does two things. Number one, the counterfeit will lead people away from God. Number two, it'll turn some other people off to the real thing. Happened here in Lloyd. We had a bunch of counterfeit 100s before the new Canadian 100s came out. Well, pretty soon you saw businesses all over Lloyd Minster say, we don't accept $100 bills anymore. Right? Because they didn't want to get ripped off. They didn't want to have to train their, their cashiers or their workers. They didn't want to train them. They want to have to train them to, to figure out what was real and what was fake. It was too much work. So they just put signs on the windows saying, we don't accept $100 bills. And unfortunately, those signs are in churches saying, we don't want to mess with the gifts of the Spirit because we've been burned too many times. And that is a tragedy. Don't let that be the story of your life. You will come across fakes. You will come across charlatans. You will come across people that are exploiting you. But look to Jesus, who's never, ever changed. And I want you to know that as many fakes as there are, there are real and true and sincere people of God that want to minister to you and see, see these things working in your life. So don't ever get so, such a bad taste in your mouth that you turn away from all that God has. Because if you do, the counterfeit won. That's the job of the counterfeit, is to devalue the real thing. Instead, hang on. The Bible says, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what's good. Do you notice that? It says, examine everything carefully. And it's talking about prophecy in this context. Examine everything carefully. He's telling them, you know, because the church at that point had had some fake prophecy and some real prophecy. And in fact, he has to tell them in one place not to despise prophetic utterances. They've got to the point where there's been so many people saying, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that, that they don't want to hear it anymore. I don't know if you want to admit this in church. But I bet there's a few of us here that have felt that way before. I felt that way. You know why? Because I was a pastor's son. I was always on the front row, no matter where we went. So you are a target. You're, you're this young guy sitting on the front row, apparently loves Jesus. You, everybody wants, everybody's got a word for you. And you know what? Most of them were accurate, and they, they proved out in my life, and God used them. But there were some, some weird ones. And you get to a point where you're like, mm, I just don't want to hear it anymore. And I remember putting those walls up. Somebody would say, the Lord's got a word for you. And I'd be like, no. Mm -mm. So I was just burned. Too much of that. I don't want any of that. And unfortunately, that's exactly what the enemy would love to have happen to us. Don't just accept what everybody says because everybody says it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you not to turn down the real, but I'm also telling you don't stuff your wallet with counterfeits. Every time somebody comes along and says, God, give me a word for you. Don't just go, okay. <laughs> sure. Good, good. That's exactly the opposite of what he said last week, but okay. <laughs> the Lord's sure confused. <laughs> I don't know. Scripture says examine everything carefully. Now then, what do you do after you examine it? He doesn't say examine everything carefully and destroy the bad. He says examine everything carefully and hold on tight to what's good. Like a gold miner. You know, the gold miner doesn't sift out all the dirt, throw the gold away and go, I'm going to write a book about that dirt. I hate that dirt. Oh, I hate it so much. You don't focus on the dirt, you focus on the gold. 
So examine everything carefully. Hang on to what's good. Hold tight to it. You know, it doesn't, it, I don't think he's saying to examine everything through the funnel and the filter of your understanding or of your mind. But in order to examine everything spiritual, you need to be spiritual, right? The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, a spiritual person judges all things, appraises all things. You have to be spiritual to, to be able to judge some of these things. You can't just say, oh, I've never heard of that before. You need to be able to, to, to judge it by the Spirit. Let's move on. So anyway, Simon sees that the Spirit's doing this. He asks, he says, give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And he offers them money for it. Do you think this is going to go over well? Because you know who's in the house now. It's not nice Phil. Oh, friendly Dr. Phil. This is Peter. He's here now. This is, the, this is the guy that didn't really flinch when two people dropped dead in church. So you know he's not going to be too happy about this. So he offers it. He says, hey, Pete, you know, how about, how about you give me this, and, and I'll give you some money for it. And uh, Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. This is our first clue that this guy might not have been a genuine believer. Might have joined the group, might have followed him around, might have even been baptized, but wasn't genuinely a believer. And Peter sees it for what it is. He says, your heart's not right. He goes on to say, therefore repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Now, he's not asking that, you know, he's not saying you sin so badly that God may decide not to forgive you. What he's saying is pray that God, if possible, that you can let this go. If possible, you can truly repent. Because Simon even looks at him, Peter even looks at him now and recognizes here's a man who doesn't genuinely feel repentant. Watch what he says. He says, I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. You are in the bondage of iniquity. Does that sound like somebody that just got born again? Mm -mm. This guy is in it for the power. Watch what, watch what Simon says. Simon says, right? Watch what he says here. Because the question is, will Simon repent? Will he really realize, oops, I, I was stupid. I, I did something bad. Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourselves. See, he still thinks that there's a mediator between people and God. He still, he still needs a, somebody with some power. He doesn't realize that God is not, you know, God's not just using mediators, that there is one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. But watch what he says, pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you said may come upon me. He doesn't say, I repent, I was wrong, oh, how stupid I was. He doesn't say, my heart was wrong, but I want it to be right. You know what he says? Pray that that stuff doesn't happen to me. Pray that I don't get in trouble. Now, maybe you've seen this with your kids. Do you ever say to your kids, because I heard it when I was growing up, are you sorry, are you sorry you did it, or are you just sorry you got caught? The answer most of the time was, I'm sorry I got caught, you know? I don't want a spanking. That's not something I desire. Simon genuinely is not repenting here. He just doesn't want to get in trouble. 
He says, pray. He doesn't say, pray that the Lord would forgive me. He doesn't say, pray that the Lord would make my heart right. He doesn't say, pray that the Lord would, would, would totally change me so I don't think that way. He says, pray that the Lord won't do that stuff to me. That none of that stuff comes upon me. Verse 25. Well, we won't, we'll stop here actually for now. Because I want to talk to you a little bit more about this guy. Like I said, and you can choose to take this or leave this, but according to church history, this guy went on to start his own little cult. Kind of continued his own little cult. It already started, obviously. And there were people for 100 years later still following this guy's little side cult. He was performing fake miracles. He was doing works and wonders and signs. What do you do? When you encounter something like this. Thankfully, Peter wasn't fooled for a second. Because Peter had the Holy Spirit inside of him. Paul wasn't fooled. Remember that little girl I told that not she wasn't a little girl, but that girl I told you about? That slave girl that told people's fortunes? She followed them around and said, These are the servants of the Most High God who show us the way of salvation. Listen to what they say. Now analyze that. Does any of that sound bad to you? There's somebody here in church going, preach it, brother. That's the truth. I wouldn't say, shut your mouth. <laughs> How dare you challenge God? No, it sounds like they're on your side. But she was doing it. She was disturbing them as they were talking. She kept interrupting, saying this. And all of a sudden, Paul, the Bible says Paul became troubled in his spirit. And he turns around and he casts the demon out of her. See, evil spirits can play the game. They can do the role. They can say the right things. But somebody's got the Holy Spirit inside of them and knows the real from the fake. Paul turns around, casts the evil spirit out of her, and she's free. She's delivered from that spirit that was on her, that was controlling her. That's what got Paul and Silas thrown into prison because her slave masters were not happy that she no longer had the gift. So when we encounter this, I want you to notice Simon didn't come straight out and oppose any of the believers. He didn't come straight out and say, Philip's a liar. He didn't come straight out and say, Peter and John are liars. He joined the group. And often, this is exactly how the counterfeit anointing, how the, how, how the enemy would love to deceive the church and to mess things up, is he doesn't often come out and just oppose you head on. A lot of times... It sneaks up inside the church. I want you to see something in 1 John. If you could turn to 1 John, we're going to just see what the scripture says. You might have heard of a group called the Gnostics. They claim to have a secret new knowledge that other people didn't have. One of the things they believed was that Jesus and the Christ were two separate things, that Jesus was a man, just a man, not the son of God, but that when he was baptized, he received the Christ. The Christ came on him, and uh, when he had that, he was, you know, Jesus and the Christ were together, and yet the, they, they believe that Jesus, you know, died on the cross, but, but the Messiah, the Christ, never did. So it was quite twisted. I know it's really oversimplifying it, but they were, they were messed up, and they were really denying the divine nature of Jesus. They were denying who Jesus really was. And you got to understand, the church is confused. Who do we follow? Who do we believe? 
They're starting to realize that there's people that call themselves apostles, people that call themselves teachers, people that call themselves ministers that aren't real. And maybe you figured that out by now. Maybe you figured it out that not everybody who says they came in the name of the Lord came in the name of the Lord. What in the world do you do? Do you just run away and say, I, I don't want to handle any of it. I can't handle this. Too many fakes, too many, too many weirdos, too many flakes. Or do you hold on to the good? Get rid of the fake, hold on to the good. Don't let it spoil you. Here's what 1 John says. Such a loving book, this letter, this letter from John. He's an old man by this point. He writes to the church and often he calls them things like little children. You could just sense the love in what he says. He says in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 18, he says, Children, it's the last hour. Now figure this out. If it was the last hour then, don't you think it's still the last hour? It is. We're in, we're in that last stage. He says, it's the last hour, and just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. Hang on. Have you been raised on rapture movies like I was as a kid? It's not my parents' fault. I just happened to watch it. Uh, in the 90s, there was a great outcropping, a uh, great overflow of rapture movies. It seemed like Christian filmmakers didn't know what else to do. Just like, we want to make a movie. A rapture movie? Why, of course. You know, that's the only thing. And so we were just terrified growing up, you know, my sister and I. My, never mind, I won't get into that. There were some movies we watched that my parents didn't know we were watching, let me just say that. And they were Christian movies, but they were still terrifying. So through that, we came to have a great fear of the Antichrist. Because the scripture does talk about a man that will rise up in this period of time, at the end of time. There will be a man who rises up and he opposes God. Many will follow this guy. We call him the Antichrist. But John here is not talking about one guy called the Antichrist. He's talking about a spirit. And he says many Antichrists are around. There's a spirit out there. Think about what Christ is. Christ is the word, yes, the Greek translation for the Messiah. It literally means the anointed one. Some would say the anointed one and his anointing. So an anti-Christ stands against Christ, stands against his anointing, stands against Jesus. And here's what it says. The ant that Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have appeared. So get it out of your brain that he's talking about a political leader. Right now, he's not talking about a political leader. He's not talking about a movie star. Right now, he says... There are many, and we know it's the last hour because they're around. We're going to find out. These aren't some larger-than-life head of the European Union. We're going to find out that he's talking about people that came out of church. Here's what he says in verse 19. He says, we will know by this. Oh, I skipped ahead. 19, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Do you notice it says there, this is the spirit of Antichrist, but, and the Antichrist is anti-anointing, anti-Messiah, but you have the anointing. 
This is an anti-anointing, but you have the anointing. What's the anointing? The anointing is the power of God through the Holy Spirit. The anointing really is the Holy Spirit and His work in your life. You can't separate the anointing from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do these things. So here we see, he says that many of these have gone out. They came out from us. They were part of our group, but they were never really of us. That's important. They weren't really of us. It doesn't say they were good and they became bad. It doesn't say they were believers and they backslid. They were never of us. That's important. Because some of you might be freaking out right now going, am I one of those? Will I someday? Oh, God, help me. Do you notice when Jesus says, when he has all those people come up to him at the end of the end of the end of the age and people come up to him and they say lord we did all these things in your name and he says depart from me evildoers i never knew you some people are so freaked out am i gonna be one of those people can i tell you something that word never is important doesn't say i knew you and i forgot you doesn't say i knew you and we grew apart i never knew you you were never really a believer so i think everybody here needs to take a deep breath And relax, because if you are truly born again, this isn't you. That's why he says, but you, you're not of those guys. You have an anointing living inside of you. See, he calls them children, and they might be feeling like little kids. There's these super guys that have come out and have tried to lead them astray. And they've got these, they've got fancy words. They might have even lying signs and wonders, and they're getting freaked out. And they're worried that how do we know what's true and what's not? And he says, don't you worry about them. You have the real anointing living in you. In fact, he goes on, well, hang on, we'll just keep reading. Because I'm going to go on even, even another chapter, but look at this. He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I've written to you because you do not know the truth. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, Let that abide in you. That means let it live in you, which you've heard from the beginning. Thank God we've been taught the word of God. He says, let it stay in you. You know the right, you know the truth, you know the word. Let it live in you. If you've heard from the beginning, if what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. It means you're not going to fall away. You're not going to get led astray. He's going to keep you. This is good news. If you're a new believer here tonight and you're freaked out, how do I know what to believe and how do I not? He says, go back to what we've heard from the beginning. Go back to the fact that, and this is really, this is very simple. You might might be one of those people that's wondering, what about those other religions? What about those other cults that call themselves pretty much the same as Christianity? Here's the main difference. The main difference is who they say Jesus is. Because he says, These ones deny the Son or they deny the Father. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. They deny that Jesus is the Son of God. I can start naming some cults right now. That's exactly what they believe. They'll tell you they believe exactly the same as you. When you get down to it, they do not believe the same as you. And the real thing is what they say about Jesus. Now, like I said uh, probably a week ago or 
week and a half, that there are a lot of churches in this city that are preaching the gospel and that we love and that are brothers and sisters and we stand together. We might have some differences, but we can get along. But when you change who Jesus is, that's not the gospel. When you change that the only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ, not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God. When you change that, you've changed the gospel. And at that point, it's not the real deal anymore. So this is important because he says the counterfeits didn't come from the world. They came from out of the church. They were never really part of the church, but they came out of it. So you got to be prepared for the fact that there's going to be fake stuff coming out of the church. There's going to be people in the church that aren't really the real deal. But I, I believe in the spirit inside of you. You're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the difference, and don't let the fakes scare you away from the real thing. Don't ever get scared away from the real thing because there's a flake or two. You know, <laughs> we were just at a conference, and one of the speakers who you'd, you'd, most of you would recognize his name if I told you, and he is a very well-respected uh, minister. He said, you know, he talked to his kids about the Holy Spirit. And they were grown by this point. And he said, you know, he was talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And they said, Dad, for, for a chunk of my life, I wanted nothing to do with the Holy Spirit because there were so many weirdos around. He, they said, we thought the Holy Spirit was just weird. We thought that's what the Holy Spirit was, which is weird. And, and the truth was, that wasn't the real Holy Spirit. There were people that were claiming to be of the Holy Spirit, and they were just flaky, and they're all over the place. And they said, Dad, we didn't want anything to do with it because we thought the Holy Spirit was weird and freaky. Well, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit's a little bit out of our comfort zone, isn't he? I mean, and so is Jesus. I mean, if, if Jesus stood in front of you, spit in the dirt and rubbed it in a guy's eye, you wouldn't go, I see that all the time. Jesus starts, Jesus goes fishing with you and says, go ahead, row on the water. I'll catch up. Starts walking on the water. You don't go, ha, <laughs> that's Jesus. <laughs> so there are things that God does that would freak us out every now and then. But you know, that doesn't mean you have to be a freak. You don't have to just be weird for weird's sake, right? Anyways, here. It says, rely on what you've heard. Let it live in you. Let it abide in you. He goes on, and he talks a little bit more about this, and I, I just want you to skip to chapter 4, and we'll, we'll close out with this thought. Praise God. Isn't God good? I want you to know he's faithful. No, First John. We'll get there. <laughs> So we're going to start right in the beginning of the chapter. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. You hear that? Don't believe every spirit. And don't believe everybody who tells you they came from the spirit. I'm telling you this so that you will get everything you can get from God. I'm telling you this because I love miracles. I'm telling you this because I love the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you this because I love when God moves in a great way. And I don't want to see it get spoiled because somebody comes along and fakes it. You love the real? You hate the counterfeit. So uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you not to be freaked out every time somebody tells you, I heard from God. Because there's going to be some people that didn't hear from God. And here's what it says. Don't believe every spirit, 
but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, in this context, the reason he's using that example is because those false prophets, they're preaching something else. They were preaching, just like I said, they were preaching another gospel, and they were preaching a secret knowledge. And they said, you got to come to us to get knowledge. That's why they were called Gnostics. The word Gnostics comes from the Greek word Gnosis, which means to know. And they were claiming to have a secret extra-biblical revelation. You don't have this in your Bible, but we've got a new revelation. I used to work at a Christian bookstore, and there was a guy that came in, and he goes, do you have any other Gospels? I said, what do you mean? He says, I know the Gospels that are in the Bible, but I want more than that. I want to know if there's other stuff. I said, there's other quote, unquote, Gospels. I said, but they're not real. They're fake. He says, I want to know the secret stuff. I'm like, do I need a special handshake to hang with you? Or <laughs> like if we were if you were to come to church, we have to dance around a candle ten times. Or I said, I said, listen, I'm just a kid. Well, I didn't say I was a kid. I said I'm young. I said, I'm still young, but I've read the Bible for a lot of years, and I'm still growing and learning more from it every time. I said, I don't think I need anything else. I think that everything I need, I mean, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got the Bible. I said, I think that's all I can handle for the rest of my life. I'm going to be learning and growing. And he kind of just looked at me like I was an idiot and walked away. And so, thank the Lord. Well, that's okay. I hope I didn't lose a customer, but, you know. <laughs> this is what the Gnostics said. We have a secret knowledge. we got a new knowledge. We got something you don't know. And he says, these guys don't even confess that Jesus is a Christ. He says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, let me tell you, there may be other forms of the Antichrist. This is the, this is the form it's taking when he writes this letter. But there's going to be other lies out there. There's not just one lie. There's many lies. But he says, you can know, guys, don't worry. If it denies Jesus, if it leads you away from Jesus as the Christ, it's a problem. He says this. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that it is coming. It's now already in the world. So it's not just a who. It's an it. It's not just one guy. There will be a guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. I do believe there will be the Antichrist. But there is a spirit of Antichrist that works to oppose God. How do you resist that? He says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard that's coming. It's now already in the world. And verse 4 says this, you are from God, little children. Isn't that awesome to hear? And you have, past tense, you have overcome them. You see, sometimes we just think, who, who, who am I? How could I ever stand up? I don't know my Bible well enough. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been around for as many years. So if somebody comes along and they claim to be a minister, they can't claim to be from God, and they're obviously not, what do I do? He says, don't you worry. You're from God, and you've overcome them. He says this, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Then he gives you one more test, and I want to just close out with this thought. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That was a secondary test he told them to run. Do they love? Because if they don't love, they're not the real deal. It's not self-serving. It's not self-promoting. It's the love of God. You know, another, in this letter as well, he tells them, one of the other things is, do you know what he says? But you have the anointing. In another place, he tells them, you don't have any need for someone to teach you something new. Now, he's talking about these people that say, don't look at your Bible. We got something new for you. He says, you don't need that. Because the anointing that abides within you is able to teach you all things. And I want to assure your hearts today that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is greater than any lie that's in the world. And the Holy Spirit that lives in you can discern between the real and the fake if you'll listen. And the Spirit and the Word always agree. So if anybody comes to you, remember, he says, let what you've heard, the word of God, let it abide in you. What you've heard from the beginning, let it live in you. If somebody comes along and they tell you something is from the Lord and it doesn't line up with his word, throw it out. It's not from God. Examine it and hold fast to what's good. We want to see great joy in the city of Lloydminster. Then we want God to move however he wants to move. I want blind eyes open. I want, I want people who are oppressed by evil spirits, I want them free. Yeah. Now, if this weirds you out, I'm sorry, but there's a world you can't see. You have to get used to that. You have to get used to the fact there's a world you can't see. There are, there's the Holy Spirit, there's evil spirits. Jesus faced them, the apostles faced them. Don't fool yourself and think they're not around. But here's the deal. We want to see blind eyes open. We want to see demon-possessed people free. We want to see people born again. We want to see people baptized. We want to see people go out, out for Jesus. I want to see signs and wonders. Yeah, not for the signs and wonders, but for the one who gives them. But if that's the case, there's going to be lies out there. There's going to be people that flock to that. With every great revival, there's been a counterfeit that goes with, that comes along and tries to throw it off. You see some of these great revivals? Oh, man, the things that God was doing. And all of a sudden, some flock of weirdos comes along and starts doing their own thing and throws the whole thing off the track. But you got to know the difference between the real and the fake. And just because you see a fake, don't ever let it spoil the real for you. Praise God for that. And I thank God that his gifts aren't for sale that his gifts aren't for sale because we couldn't afford it. And that Jesus said, freely you receive, now freely give. And that my prayer for you is that you'd walk in the deeper things of God, that you'd walk not just in the natural, but in the supernatural it's to such a point that we'd become naturally supernatural, that we would flow with God as Jesus flowed with God because we've got the Holy Spirit in us. My prayer for you is that you wouldn't be freaked out by the things of God, but that you dive in and you say, Lord, I trust you. If that's going to happen, you have to trust that the Holy Spirit within you can discern. You have to trust that the word of God is your guide and your measure.
And you have to trust that no matter what lie comes out, no matter what little movement comes out to throw off the move of God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, there are those that are preaching a different gospel and they're throwing everybody off. He says, but don't worry. They won't continue for very long and their folly will be evident to all. I want you to know that the truth lasts longer than a lie. The truth will always overcome. The snake that God put there will always devour the other fakes. The Spirit of God will win. If you've been slightly weirded out during this message, I apologize. <laughs> I tell you, it's the truth. You see, a, you see a guy get up from a wheelchair, that may be weird, but I, I love it. You know, you see a guy who's blind, he can see. This is wonderful. You see somebody who's been oppressed all their life and having to medicate, and they get delivered from an evil spirit, and they're free, and they're, and they're happy, and they're joyful for the first time in their life. I love that stuff. And because we want to see it, we need to hold on to what's good and examine everything. Don't be a pansy. Don't be a doormat. Examine it. Trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand up together. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Lord, I thank you that you, <laughs> you do stuff that's beyond our imagination. Lord, we freely admit <laughs> that we haven't even begun to imagine all that you can do or will do. Lord, I thank you that even though there's counterfeits out there, even though there's perversions out there, even though there's things and, and people that might not be from you and, in fact, are there to oppose you, I thank you, God, that you've put your spirit inside of us, that we would not be led astray because we have an anointing living in us that is stronger than the anti-anointing. We've got a spirit in us that is stronger than any other spirit. God, open our eyes to the world we can't see. Open our eyes to see what you see. As Elijah's servant, Elisha's servant looked out at the army surrounding the city, and your servant, Elisha, said to him, said to you, asked you to open his eyes so that he'd see. And he saw an army from heaven. He saw a heavenly army that he didn't see before. Open the, our eyes so that we would see what you see. Lord, I thank you. That though you've called us, you've also equipped us. You're not sending us out helpless, but you've given us a helper. You've not sent us out powerless, but you've sent us your power. You've not sent us out without, without wisdom, without sight, without light. But in the darkness, you've provided us a light. You've given us your light, and we thank you for it. So for everybody here, who's been wondering what's real, what's not. For everybody here that's been thinking, I don't know about this stuff. I don't know what to believe. Lord, I ask that you confirm your word and you confirm your works in their hearts and minds, that they'd step out on the water and begin to trust what they can't see, trust even what they can't understand, and they'd be able to do it with discernment and true knowledge of who you really are in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if any of you come up and ask, if you can, you can buy the ability to preach like that, 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't preach that good yet. But anyways, God bless you guys. We love you. If we could uh, get right to that, guys, we're going to take that.